Hello, and welcome back to the Security Metrics Podcast. My name is Jen Stone. I'm one of the principal security analysts here at Security Metrics. Very excited about the topic today, and I think you're going to enjoy it too. I have Adrianus Warmanhoven with me. Um, we're going to be speaking about a wide range of topics surrounding privacy, security, perhaps compliance. But first, I want to read you um, Adrianus's bio. He's a defensive strategist and threat intelligence manager at NordVPN. He's responsible for getting the most relevant indicators of compromise or IOCs, malware samples, and their indicators and generally mapping out the threat landscape for the company's customers. In the past, he's been involved in pioneering endeavors in IT since the early 1990s, collaborated in setting up the first Dutch anti-cybercrime branch organization for ISPs, as well as being part of the MT and lead designer for one of the first free ISPs in the Netherlands, co-designer of supercomputing hardware and running projects for Dutch governmental organizations. For various international companies, he's done security reviews and given advice on how to deal with active threats and extortion. He has given various presentations at security conferences on security and privacy, as well as lectures at universities about these matters. Being an outspoken and strong privacy advocate, he fully understands the tension between the need for lawful interception and the need for anonymity on the internet. Adrianus, welcome and thank you. I'm honored that you would, would come on the show and talk to me today. Thank you for having me. <laughs> that, that sounds such a lot uh, of what I've been doing. But the fun is, it's not even a fraction of what I've really been doing. Security is such a broad field and that, that makes it fun, don't yeah. you think? Uh, absolutely. You know, and that's it also makes it hard to tell people when they say to me, I want to be in cybersecurity. What should I do? And I go, <laughs> what do you want to do? <laughs> Yeah, what's your anything? What's your favorite part of of cybersecurity? Yeah. Well, for for me, it, it it's to be honest, it, it it's mostly the hacking part, but also the understanding part. Uh, I, I've also, which was not in the bio, but I played around with with airplanes and then airfields, um, with with megawatt battery systems. Um, you get to touch everything, and and, and you can go into a. a in depth in an organization and, and and see where there's some hooks and 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 and, and uh, some nooks and crannies where, where some some adversary might hide in, or you can see uh, um, in uh, industry where there's some some flaws. And the best part for me is I get to learn the profession of the people that I'm trying to protect. At least a big part of it. I, I get to see it from up close I, you, because you really need to understand what's going on in a factory to be able uh, to secure it. And yes. that, that, that's the fun part for me. I, I like that as well. Um, sometimes we'll have a customer that says, well, we have uh, um, retail uh, fuel dispensers out in the middle of nowhere. Are you okay with, with you know, reviewing those? And, and my answer is, well, of course, middle of nowhere, that sounds great. Let's do that. <laughs> yes. But at the same time, um, th- there are businesses and, and the way even similar businesses accomplish um, s- security against similar threats can be wildly different. Yeah. Um, it also is a bit about company culture. We, we, we get a lot of people that move freshly to, let's say, things like Azure or, or Google Cloud or Amazon. And you'll see that most of those will handle uh, um, security measures quite similarly because they get the playbooks from those uh, vendors. 
However, if you already have a big IT culture in, in, in your um, uh, company or uh, in your factory manufacturing processes, the security used to be uh, bolt on. It, it, it wasn't something that, that's native. And, and, mm. and you see that, that most newer companies, startups, they will do security native also because of the playbooks of those vendors. But for uh, most of the existing uh, companies, it was a bolt on part. It, 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 it Frankenstein itself into the processes some way. Um, it wasn't allowed to, to uh, wreck the, the productivity because productivity was still number one. And, and, and th this is how you can see that um, not all security solutions are fit for, for every company. Mm -hmm. and some of them don't even apply to them. And so uh, sometimes I'll run into groups that say, well, we're following this security standard, but, they, but they've done it in odd ways because they were following a checkbox where yes. some of the things didn't apply. And so they created some issues for themselves because they didn't know how does everything fit together. I, I find that asking them for a, a data flow, what is the data you're trying to protect and how does it flow through your systems, tends to be one good way to look at how are they protecting it. I, I totally agree. Um, I, I really love... Um, now let me just make, make a small sidestep. Um, I come from from the hands-on IT and security and hacker guys. And... and um, from the age where people say, uh, uh, use the source, Luke, and, and, and didn't write any documentation and <laughs> kind of stuff. Um, so I, I'm, I'm really practically minded, but I, I completely understand how frameworks like, for instance, uh, ISO 27001, mm -hmm. um, I, I quite like that because it's, in, in my opinion, it's small enough to be practical, uh, uh, um, practically implemented. And you can ask exactly those questions as you just said, you can ask them in a nice compartmentalized way and I can explain it to them why we are doing this. And, and, and um, uh, it's a nice compact uh, framework for that. And if you explain people why you are doing this, then they suddenly start understanding, oh, okay, this might even be beneficial for me. And I've, I've seen more than one company transform um, by adopting the framework, but really getting into the spirit of the framework, not just as you just mentioned, uh, having a checkbox and, and, and getting the sticker from, from uh, the auditor saying we are certified, right. but really understand why is it is in, in, in this standard. This goes for all of these standards. Mm -hmm. It might look like a big bureaucratic exercise until you really understand what it's all about and, and, and then you get into the spirit. Right. This is, in my feeling, how you should adopt a, a standard, not by picking one that has the most uh, uh, best reviews or just read about it, feel if it, if, if the framework fits with you and, and, and your motivation, and then get into the spirit of it because then it will really help you. Right. That's my opinion. No, I think I think you're spot on there. I think where people um, really shine is, like you said, get, getting the spirit of the security and, and using a framework to drive that, that sense um, throughout what people are doing, where I find people struggle is where if they have to meet a specific um, compliance effort and they want to do it in the most minimal way possible, they don't understand the value of, of these, the framework in, in, in improving their security stance. I think that's where, where sometimes groups kind of fall um, in, into bad behaviors and it typically starts at the C level. I know that that you have done a lot of work with um, uh, CIOs, CS, and CISOs 
on yeah. how to develop s- security programs. How do you, is there a way to foster that appreciate? appreciation for security at the higher levels or is that something that that is kind of inherent to an indiv- individual it th- 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 there's a one part that that's hard to change if the sea level personalities um do not have the whole of, of the company but just driving for for a specific uh, metric like productivity or performance it can be hard to get it in but if you spend enough time with them and explain to them, and this is a trick I use, um, explain to them everything we don't cover with our security uh, plan or checkboxes or whatever you want to call it, means an automatic risk acceptance by you, the rest of the C-level. Um, yes. You would, be surprised, you would be surprised how quickly you get a budget or, or, or projects up and running uh, when you explain some of the risk. Like, okay, we don't have the ba- backup. If we don't get a backup at the end of the year or you don't uh, allow it, the budget or any of the projects, it means you accept the risk for this. This is the risk. Wow, it goes really fast. For sure. But this is this the thing you know you need to know. That I I love that because that that acceptance of risk should be at the sea level. That's where business decisions happen. But a lot of times I see the the uh, security uh, team or security guy or girl, or, you know, the person in that position, um, they don't take the time to understand the business implications of the security challenges that they're, they're facing instead of expressing it in business terms so that that risk can be recognized and the decision can be made at the right levels they'll either try and make the decision themselves which leaves that person open to to some pretty high risk for the decision making or yeah. or it makes it so that things don't get addressed because they haven't been um, fully expressed at the business level do you see that kind of gap in a lot of the organizations that you've worked with Yes, I see um, a lot of CISOs or, or security officers. Uh, well, the security officers are not, not a good example. I get to that. Um, I see them being picked because they are good in cybersecurity. This is not a good fit. Um, they can be a, a part of the security office or, or, or security group or whatever you want to call it. But the CISO the, 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 or, the, or the leader of the security team, it doesn't matter, really needs to be a um, understanding the business first approach mm-hmm. and understanding that uh, uh, at the sea level, this person has a specific task, getting those things done, not understanding and, 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 and uh, uh, making the firewall rules themselves. If you have a small company, of course, this can be done. But I see um, the, the, these picks have been done in, in the last, let's say, decade uh, because of the wrong, uh, wholly wrong re- reasons. Uh, they just picked somebody who... who was an excellent pen tester or, or who might have guessed, I don't know, the CEO's uh, password. <laughs> and I thought, this is somebody who knows something about cybersecurity. We put this person in, in charge of it. And that person is, is either completely bored out of the skull or, or um, it, it is wholly overwhelmed with, with all this business stuff and, 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 and processes and, and, and all these things and, and, and vendors and, and law and, and everything else you have to do uh, to get, get your cybersecurity in your, to your business. Um, so I see that quite a lot, and people who have been promoted from from security upwards. Um, for all the real cybersecurity people who, who really like to do the, all the hacking, incident response, malware analysis, either OSINT, whatever, 
I can tell you one thing. Not a lot of you are going to be happy in a CISO position, even though it means more money and more prestige yep. uh, for some people, I think. But you will not be happy there because right. none of the things that make you happy in cybersecurity, almost none of them, will be in that position. Absolutely. And when they do, it, and when they do, it means, well, um, there's a big problem and, and you will have to do a crisis management at the moment so you can't enjoy it anyway. So. <laughs> Like, I, I agree. When I took this position, um, uh, one of the things I was told was there, there, there is no management um, uh, pathway from this position. And I said, good. <laughs> I don't want one. And then less than a year later, they said, okay, so there's this management position. I said, absolutely not. Because I'm finally old enough in my, in, in my career to realize I love the hands-on um, problem solving. I love the interaction with the um, security and IT folks. I love being an individual contributor and everything about the management and the business piece. It takes a different mindset and, and it's not something that I have. I think there's some people who love that. They love the, the business management. They love the, the, the strategic thinking and the planning. And I, I just fall asleep in those meetings. There's really a lot of reading, uh, reading all this in, in, in Europe, it's all this EU stuff, regulations, which you have to keep track of, like GDPR, but you also need to check in, in which cloud uh, we put stuff. Um, then we need, when we classify different pieces of data, um, which are, uh, should not fall under the US Cloud Act, you have to be careful. So that there's a lot of this. If you like tinkering with uh, um, more abstract level stuff, yeah, um, security office, uh, CISO, uh, management, that's fine. But in, in, in all, the, all the time, I, I'm, I think I maybe spent a couple of days at the maximum really at uh, uh, looking at, at, at some screens telling me something because for everything else, we had the SOC, we have the security office, right. we have um, all the other people doing their stuff and we had lots of meetings um, and, and this is also the boring stuff. You, you need <laughs> to do all, uh, keep your ISMS uh, up to date and, and make sure it's, it's kind of being a scrum master but for security actually <laughs> because you say, okay, we have this incident, how far are we? Uh, uh, is, is it closed? Is it fixed? Uh, is it mitigated um so yeah that but the thing is it's still a crucial thing to do yes even though it, it's it's boring to 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 the hardcore cybersecurity people it, it, it's still crucial to do because it it, it talks about rollouts over a, a, a large parts of your uh, company it, it, it talks about getting budgets from from um the other from cfo um it's about getting the right contacts with the secret services if you have a large company because if there's a nation state uh, entry you don't want to have just any random cybersecurity company you really want to have your uh, country's uh, secret services by your side um, all of those things make it exciting again and, and make it re very relevant but it's simply a different breed of people that 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 need to sit need to be sitting there and i think that's important for a person to know about themselves when they're first looking at cybersecurity as a career because if you point yourself down uh, a path that isn't going to be satisfying to you personally it doesn't matter how much the the people around you think it's a great idea or a great job or it's it's what you personally can excel in and and take on and and enjoy work every day 
Uh, I want to go back to what you said about uh, GDPR and, and some of these things. I think this the, a similar corollary here in the U.S. is HIPAA and the Canadian yep. privacy law. These, these are, are regulations that um, a lot of groups, when they start saying, oh, now I have to look at regulations, how are they different from standards? One of the big things is requirements for security officers and or privacy officers. And, and like you said, sometimes the person who, who uh, misses the meeting on who's going to be the privacy officer gets to be the privacy officer, right? And so, so when, when we look at what is the, I, I think it's because people don't understand the importance of privacy. This episode is brought to you by the Security Metrics Academy. If you're interested in learning more about cybersecurity, privacy, compliance, related topics, we have a ton of free courses. Just go to securitymetrics.com and search for the Academy. It'll come right up. What are your thoughts on privacy, security, and how those two things maybe um, fit together? I'm in the lucky position of, of having been a CISO for the largest wholly Dutch-owned cybersecurity uh, company called the Sorion. And then after that, um, I was with Nord, uh, and with Nord Security, Nord VPN, um, we kind of try not to know anything about the users. So really privacy-minded. The difference was, as a CISO or as a security, um, you think that you want to see and know everything like uh, uh, DPI, all uh, um, the things, and and um, I want logs of everything. And then, and, and, okay, the good thing is we had a re really strong uh, uh, data protection officer um, or data privacy officer who, who was holding us back. Um, but I can understand because of security, you kind of want this whole panopticum uh, uh, style thing where you can see everything happening and then you can put in all the uh, um, behavioral analysis against it. Um, and from the privacy standpoint, you want none of these things to happen. Um, and th there needs to be a middle ground. I want to start first by, by setting one thing straight, uh, what is, in my opinion, um, what privacy means. Privacy is not about things you want to hide because hiding means um, or it implies that the other side already has a right to see whatever I'm, I'm trying to hide mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and uh, um, post actively trying to put it away. To me, privacy means I'm in control of what I share. And it means if, you have, if I have nothing to hide, I can share everything I want. And, and, and people that say to me, I have nothing to hide, I say to them, great, share everything you want. I don't care, um, as long as it's your decision. And this goes also uh, for other things in, in, in privacy. Um, if I don't want to share some things, I should not have to uh, um, defend everything. And privacy should not be uh, the things that I'm able to defend um, because it simply should not be allowed by law to, to, for, for other people to, to simply grab everything. It's, it's like uh, you suddenly have to defend all the stuff in your house because, hey, uh, you didn't defend uh, me grabbing this face or, or or this laptop or whatever from from your house. It, it's really an odd mindset that we have about privacy at the moment. So for me, it, it, it really means people should be in control of what they share. If they press the button saying, share everything, okay, that's your decision. Um, having said that, from a security standpoint, of course, we want to see everything. And the reason why we want to do that is because malware and, and hackers have become smarter. Uh, um, this is also one really important thing I say to people. 
the uh, our opponents are really smart people. They might have different life goals and different objectives, but they're also smart people. They're not 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 dumb or or, or some. Uh, ogre somewhere, they're smart. So from security standpoint, you understand this and you see that um, there's a lot of intelligence ways they get into our networks, into our machines, or um, they dupe people doing exfiltrations and that. So as a, from a security standpoint, you want to, to see everything. And from a, stand, a, a privacy standpoint, you basically don't want to see a thing un unless somebody really expressly shares it with you. I found that those two can really uh, sit next to each other because it's not a problem. Um, because you can, with your uh, uh, people, uh, with the Sorium, we also had very privacy-minded uh, people working with us. And what you do is you talk to them and you ask them, explain to them why they should uh, um, agree to share some of their, at least business, uh, traffic or have a DPI installed. And if they say, I don't agree, then you uh, explain the problem. Like, okay, that means from your machine, I cannot see if there's specific uh, um, uh, patterns of or, or behavior. Like, let's say, for instance, your system sends data to a non-existent network printer at three o'clock in the weekend, at, at three o'clock in the morning in the weekend uh, to the non-existent printer in China. That's something really, sus really suspicious. Don't you agree? Um, but if we don't see it, your machine will continue to do that, and then you will. And, and this means just a bit more work for the security company, uh, for the security office. And and uh, um, you don't have you don't have to brutally um, uh, violate the privacy of somebody to get your uh, security. Um, you really have to make people uh, defenders uh, um, as well. The thing with, for instance, Nord, which is the complete difference. We simply don't want to know anything about any of the users. Um, and this goes so far that uh, we have no logging and we have the biggest part of our development discussions are actually how do we not uh, inadvertently uh, know something about our users. So th th there's a lot of focus on, on, on not even accidentally knowing uh, and, and identifying users. Um, but that goes because of um, it's our product. If our users use our product, we don't want to know anything, so we, they are still in control of what they're sharing. And if they go to a website through our services and still log in with our credentials, which means they're making themselves uh, identifiable, mm -hmm. it's their decision. It should not be our decision. And the same, again, when we go back to the security company, you can talk to the people and then you can say, well, you can have not not access. You cannot have access to specific resources unless I can see these kind of things because this is my threat landscape. This is the threat model I built around it. Uh, you're violating it, so this is why I need to see these these things. You can talk with these people, and you still have can have people be in control of what they want to share. I, I really like how you phrase that because I think that um, I guess for a lot of reasons, privacy is not protected, especially in the U.S. It's, there's a lot more um, focus on privacy in the EU. That, but in the United States, we have these uh, agreements and privacy notifications and things from these companies where basically it's if you choose to use the, 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 uh, um, the service, you have no expectation of privacy. 
And, and the expectation of privacy, I think, especially people who grew up um, on the internet, uh, seems to be that they, they A, have no expectation, or B, don't know how to reclaim privacy because their entire lives have been, have been put, put up there. So uh, at this point, with the, with the massive violations in privacy um, uh, uh, throughout the, the technical space, is there any way to put that genie back in the bottle? Is there any way to reclaim our privacy at this point? It will take a longer time, I think. Um, nothing, even not not even the upgrade of specs, uh, is fast. Even though we as people are getting used to having things fast, um, this will take some time. The first thing I think is is what, what's really important is that people understand that their digital persona, the digital ID. Uh, the thing that that's being violated with the privacy stuff um, is actually, by and large, more real than their meat persona. And then people don't like this when I say this, but I can prove it. Um, when was the last time you ever had an interaction with a company? You're not even going to your bank anymore. Your okay. digital ID is. Uh, there's so little interaction between you and the rest of the world as a person. Mm -hmm mostly with your friends, your colleagues, that, that's about it. But all decisions, all transactions, almost all of them are done digitally. So your digital persona is to all extents and purposes um, more real than, 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 than your physical persona is. If you were to die right now, I don't, really don't hope so, but if you were, and you have all these automation set up, a lot of companies will not notice until somebody tells them. Right. You will for, for them, you will still be alive. So it means people should really understand that their digital persona, that the digital ID, is horribly important. It, it, it's it's like people are stabbing it and, and, and beating it up all the time online, and people don't care. But but if somebody pushes you in, in, in the streets, they all get worked up about that. So, but your really your digital persona is something you should really take care of and and, and this in, in the rest of the world this is you mm -hmm. it, it's, it's not this physical person behind the keyboard no you do your digital id the, the thing that that needs privacy that that, that that's the you and uh, once we got that uh, realization back um we start make we might start uh, valuing it uh, uh, again and i think that this should start with, with the educational system because in the educational system we're still in the consumption phase. We tell kids about uh, how to use stuff and, and, and how to create an account and, and, and then uh, how not to uh, interact with other people. We tell them nothing about their digital persona, which suddenly uh, at that age kind of splits off from their physical being and which they are now nurturing. There's nothing about that. And uh, we don't work with them and saying, okay, if you... Uh, go to Facebook, it means all this nice stuff. Or if you go to TikTok, all these nice videos, but it means something for you. And, and, and we don't teach them that. This is the first step. As soon as we got uh, to this understanding that the internet and, 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 and digitization means we, we suddenly have an extra part on, on our being, not our body, but we have an extra part on which needs protection. Then we can start uh, with that. Because then um, the realization will be that all these privacy infringing apps 
they might not so not be so good. And you really should view it uh, with, with the same thing as as uh, um, how to say it, uh, bad hygiene. So 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 right. people uh, once they feel they feel it really well because hygiene means an attack on my physical body, and, and they should should view that like privacy infringement is, is just also an attack on on, on my body. Right, but and it, so it will, take, I, it will take a little time. I think you're right. I think people don't recognize that that they have a right to that privacy. They have a right to decide how their interactions online um, happen. They have a right to what who takes their information, does things with it. I, I, and at this point, I don't think that that is a well understood um, position. So I, I hope that that is something that that comes up because we can't put things in place to really support that position until more people understand and believe that. So I hear that you have uh, some interesting future developments. What's what? Where's uh, your career taking you next? I'll be joining Zero Copter, um, which is of course arguably um, the, the best hackers in the world. At least uh, we run bug bounties with them. Um, and we do a lot of security work for larger companies, but also if you have devices, if you have legal stuff, uh, you can ask uh, the uh, Copter to have a look at it. For me, it, it, it's really a change of pace and, and going back to my, well, not not really roots, but going back to to, to doing some some hacking stuff and, and really delving deep into the technical stuff. Having been uh, mostly at the uh, higher level and, 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 the, and the process level for the last couple of years. Uh, I really want to get into my keyboard and, and, and see a lot of code again and, and, and that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm really would, looking forward to that. Um, saying that, I really love the people at Nord. It, it has the best, uh, um, I'm sorry, I need to advertise it. If you want to start a career and you're in Europe, Join Nord. There's lots of vacancies there, and it, it's one of the best jump boards for for young people because they support you. Um, there's this excellent vibe. It's fun. It, it, I can't say it any differently. It, it's fun. <laughs> That's great. Well, I, I've I've been a fan of Nord VPN for for several years, um, and used it per- personally. and And so it's good to hear that the that the company itself has such um, praise from you personally. So. Um, I really appreciate you coming and talking to us today about privacy and security, critical topics, and you have such a unique and um, rich understanding of the topic that it's been well worth my time today. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me today. I really enjoyed this topic. I hope you did too. Please uh, make sure you check out our back catalog. We have about three years now of videos out there for you on some very interesting things. They run the gamut from privacy to security to compliance and kind of everything related to that. Talk to you again next time. Thanks for watching. To watch more episodes of Security Metrics Podcast, click on the box on the left. If you prefer to listen to this podcast, it's available on all your favorite podcast platforms. See you on the slopes.